doing the basic components or whether it's the wiring for maybe the iPhone charger. The copper would be sourced in Africa, which would be on the lower end of the value chain, and they will go and manufacture it maybe in the West. And the end product becomes a lot more valuable because it would have gone through all of the various processes and then it would come back to Africa. So we're actually, we actually end up paying more even though the value chain started on the continent. in the raw materials in and of themselves they're very valuable but the return on them and also like the intensity that will go for instance into mining uh may not be the same as like marketing the final product yet the marketing uh, level might even give you better returns hello everyone and welcome tonight to the Africa Share platform. We are a platform that speaks about uh, African issues and especially with regard to development, with regard to, to trade, with regard to tech. And tonight uh, we are having a discussion about global value chains. And this is especially with a view to bringing down the concept of global value chains and what it means. Uh, for Africa and also for someone looking for information about what are global value chains and how do they work. So tonight with me is Ayanda. She will introduce herself. Myself, I'm Christine. I'm one of the common hosts of the Africa I Share discussion. Ayanda, if you could introduce yourself and then we will go right into the discussion. So the topic we're covering tonight is what are global value chains if you've seen in some of our videos is that we'll be doing this as a series in October where we start by looking at what are global value chains and then we will have additional discussions like for instance how is Africa established within the global value chains and then uh, we will also discuss how can Africa participate more in the global value chains. I wonder if you could introduce yourself please. Thank you so much, Christine, and good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Ayan Zampofu. I am a candidate legal practitioner based in Zimbabwe, and this is my second time um, on the Africa iShare platform, and I'm truly honored to be back with you guys to talk about global value chains with Christine. Um, it's going to be a very interesting discussion, and I hope that we will be able to get a bit of light to all of you about what global value chains are and how they work. Christine? Thank you, Ayanda. And yes, to give, to give a general perspective of um, what are global value chains. So it is generally the cross-border networks within which uh, value add is developed or value add is given to different uh, stages of production of goods or services. So think about it this way, that there are raw materials being produced in Kenya, and then there is labor being provided from Uganda, and then there's capital coming from London, uh, and then there's tech coming from the US, and then a product is produced in, let's say, in a different country in Germany, and the products are assembled in China, and then they are marketed to 
many countries across the world. So as you see, uh, it's a chain in the sense that there is production which is disintegrated across different places, while at the same time there's integration of trade. So uh, there's disintegration of production, and by disintegration I mean it's broken down in dif into different concepts. So for those who understand like uh, the factors of production, uh, when you want to produce a good, you need uh, a raw material, you need labor, you need capital. And capital would be like maybe the finances to buy the raw materials and to, to pay the labor. It could be in terms of loan or share capital or money that's invested by someone. So now what has happened is that increasingly this is not done in one place. And sometimes it's not even done by one person. So you'll find that the owners of the raw materials are very different from the owners of the labor which is being input into the process, and they're very different from the owners of the capital. Yet, this is so well coordinated that there's production of a good, which in some, which in most cases will need to be marketed across very many markets. So again, maybe the owners of the marketing platforms are very different from the owners of the raw materials, the owners of the capital, and the owners of the labor. So as you've had, uh, a common example that's given is like the iPhone. It is different, even components are developed and they are created in different places. The assembling happens in also a different place, yet the owner of iPhone is based in a very different location. So generally, that's what a global chain, it's, it's, a, it's a global chain uh, of production, of marketing, of distribution. And you will also uh, see that there's integration of trade. So as much as there's a breakdown of the process of production, then there is an integration of trade because different countries are participating in the trade of iPhone, for instance, in the sense that every many different countries are trading to make one product come to fruition. And then when you think about it also, is that there is also an increase of multinational firms. So you think... If you observe, there are some uh, multinationals that are in more than one country. And one of the things that has really led to the growth of that is that uh, there's a global chain so that the person may decide, you know what, just to make our standards similar, let's say in terms of marketing, then we will set up a company in in the U.S., in a certain state in the U.S., we'll set the same one in Germany, we'll set the same one in up in South Africa. And so, and so in such a case, now what happens is that there's a, a multinational which is trying to have give the same kind of standard of a certain thing across the world because there's someone who is looking, for instance, for a certain kind of service. So you want to know if I go to South Africa, I'll get maybe this kind of service or this kind, let's say it's on the labor side. I'll get this kind of people who offer me this kind of service in South Africa who also are offering the same kind of service in Germany. Think also as, as a very simple example, like the global audit firms. So you find the global audit firms like PwC, uh, Deloitte, KPMG, you find them in globally. So And the whole idea is to maintain a certain standard so that someone who is looking for this kind of service, then they are getting it from one uh, trade name or from one brand. So 
so that's the whole concept so coming along with this is where you find the whole concept of multinationals you also find a bit of uh, information there on franchising which is the concept where like there is one controller of like a concept a, a trade secret or maybe a formula who now what they do to enable that these people to offer this kind of good or service globally they franchise different people in different locations this is the whole concept of uh, a global value chain and then we will go much deeper into speaking about how did it come about and what are the advantages what are the disadvantages and then also to look at africa within this chain you know this chain of where value is being added where is africa placed into this and we will be thinking through this because it affects trade uh, globally that africa may participate in because if you are a certain level in the chain the most most times that's the level you remain in for a while so i wonder if you could go maybe to give a background uh, of to how this came about the global value chains the concept and also like how it looks like if you could give more examples ayanda thank you so much christine so global value chains are relatively new when it comes to um the discourse uh surrounding them uh we started hearing about the existence of global value chains around the mid 1990s and this was focusing more on developing um countries focusing on how they could increase their production and eventually the whole discussion around global value chains and global interaction began to spread across the globe and it came to east asia and there is the famous group known as the east asian tigers who were referred to by a man named gary jeriffy as the east asian miracle and the reason why it was called the east asian miracle and why they were termed as the east asian tigers is because they were able to integrate in such a manner that they were able to industrialize at a much greater speed than the rest of the developed world so by around 2001 they had formalized their economy through the use of um global value chains and how they were able to do this was through focusing on exports so vertical specialization what they would then do is import the raw materials for things like your your tech your technology things when it comes to um your memory chips your radios your cell phones and that's what they specialized in import the raw materials and find a way to produce all of those goods at a low cost and then export them to the uh global north so your americas your england and because of the way that they were conducting um this trade they were the case study if i can put it that way of how a global value chain would work and then this then in um caught the attention of the world bank and the world bank and other leading institutions began to encourage other countries and other economies to use the specialization model as a form of development and that's how we began to have an increase in trade liberal liberalization and investment between um countries whether we're talking about countries within the same continent or countries uh, across continents um 
And global value chains do have their advantages and their disadvantages. Um, as noted before, one of the biggest advantages that are there is um, in terms of development. And one of the reports that has been issued by the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development, they noted that when it comes to global value chains, um, in so far as international development is concerned, they estimate that global value chain and value chain and value added trade, I beg your pardon, contributes about 30% of GDP of developing countries. And um, this 30% might sound like a small percentage, but if you are cognizant of the, the issues that exist within the developing world, especially in terms of the difficulties that exist when it comes to trying to develop policies that will pull their citizens out of poverty and extreme poverty, 30% becomes quite significant. And if we are able as developing countries to fully harness what global value chain, the world the advantages that global value chains can give us, and we're able to increase that 30% to 40% at the very least, there would be a much better standard of living amongst African nations. So this direct impact that global value chains has had on African nations cannot be understated. And it has also allowed for a lot of nations to increase the adoption of technology and for skills development. Bringing it down to Africa and looking at the South African car manufacturing industry, which is a fairly new industry, um, that industry focuses on manufacturing cars mainly for the European market. And the existence of the car manufacturing industry in the Eastern Cape has had some marked benefits when it comes to improving the standard of living of the people that have actually been able to obtain jobs within that industry. So the contribution that um, global value chains have in developing countries, I will emphasize again, can never be understated, especially considering how globally technology is becoming more and more important. And to be able to empower countries to give their citizens the space and the time and the skills to build up, especially when we're looking at, as Christine mentioned, that there's different stages to the production process. So when I'm speaking skills development, I'm moving more away from the raw material and focusing more on manufacturing. If we're able to increase the um, developing world's ability to actively be part of the manufacturing um, side of the uh, global value chain, then we can pull a lot more people out of poverty and extreme poverty. However, notwithstanding all of the advantages that actually come with global value chains, there are certain disadvantages. And these disadvantages are because of the specialization that actually exists when it comes to um, global value chains. Specialization, when we're looking at, as Christine had pointed out, that in one country, they are sourcing the raw materials. In the next country, they are manufacturing. So looking back at the African perspective, we are trading mostly in raw materials. And we don't have presently enough capacity to be part of the manufacturing side of it. And the unfortunate thing is that raw materials are what are regarded as low value goods. And because they're low value goods, the amount of money that we get 
from the production of those raw materials is a lot less than what a person who um, is on the other side of the value chain would get. So going back to the example of the iPhone, if we're doing the basic components or whether it's the wiring for maybe the iPhone charger, the copper would be sourced in Africa, which would be on the lower end of the value chain, and they will go and manufacture it maybe in the West. And the end product becomes a lot more valuable because it would have gone through all of the various processes and then it would come back to Africa. So we're actually, we actually end up paying more even though the value chain started on the continent. Um, another issue that is there with global value chains is if another country is then able to produce that good at a more efficient or at a, a better um, quality, then whichever country was in that space of the value chain would fall out of the chain. And if the internal, pro if the internal um, policies of that country are not sufficient enough to protect the local industry, the local industry and the local um, economy then suffers. An example of this would be um, the multi-fiber agreement, which fell away in 2005. This was an agreement uh, based on textiles. So African countries were given a quota where they're able to export a certain number of um, textiles to the developed countries such as America or England. So when the multi-fiber um, agreement fell through, what then happened was that the economies in Kenya, South Africa, and Lesotho especially, ended up losing a large number of jobs and it had a negative wage growth because of the poor internal policies that uh, the governments in those countries had. So in as much as there is a lot that can be harnessed from global value chains, they are not a, a, a be-all and end-all solution to the uh, economic problems that we face as Africa. Um, Christine? Uh, thank you, Ayanda. Those are very good observations you've made. And I think uh, that gives a perspective on both uh, the advantages and some of the disadvantages. And, and to that, I would like to add um, a few more um, concerns or not even concerns, like a few more perspectives that someone who may wonder how would, as you highlighted, Africa be able to participate at least high up in the value chains? Because as you've explained, if you are the bottom where what you give is raw materials, because as it is, the end product tends to have greater value than the raw material. So even if, let's say, the Congo is producing the copper or the mineral that goes into the iPhone, you'll find that its value compared to the value of a complete product is, is very different. In fact, they are worlds apart. So yet you see uh, there's so much uh, intertwined and there's so much integration of that production process. So to be able to participate, uh, there's a few things that Africa would need uh, actually to have to participate in a more productive way in these value chains. The first one is capabilities. So one of the things that you could offer and you could offer that is competitive uh, to the global value chains would be 
the skills and the capabilities. The skills and the capabilities this come from the labor side. So it would mean like an improvement in the in the skill level of skill. Then there is also learning. Learning is required. And this learning is what you know, like for instance, as Africa Asia we are trying to do is to learn and share these ideas. For instance, for someone who is trying to understand the concept and to grasp uh, like how how does this work because learning and also continuous learning of as the value chains are changing and also like how do they come about who plays what role so that is required to learn and also to learn on the different aspects of how you can participate almost in a better footing than you are and then there's also um, governance and regulations of different, like if it's multinationals, because you'll find that one of the things that will happen is that even as a specialization, then sometimes there's integration of uh, different functions, and therefore uh, one organization or one entity tends to have so many of them control over as a value chain uh, in maybe one aspect than most other companies to be able to do so think of it for instance that um like google google has been able to like consolidate a lot of uh, services within itself so it becomes a multinational which will be used and which will be able to cover a wide range of things so you find also that such integration of uh, different aspects in one organization tends to now be able to create multinationals which also tend to become monopolists in some of the sectors. So again, regulation and uh, being able to empower like domestic industries that can compete in such a case. And then also the other thing to highlight is that with globalization, this is going to increase more and more. And this is both on globalization, one, and two, uh, the fourth industrial revolution. With those, there's going to be a greater and greater increase of how much uh, disintegration of the production process and also at the same time increase in global trade and for instance if you think of like an e-commerce platform now there's someone once the goods have been produced across the world then there's e-commerce platforms which now are able to reach markets much quicker and and faster so the marketing aspect of like these products that have been that that I that are going to market is now vested in e-commerce platforms so again, to be able to participate, you need to like for the African economies to consider, you know, like how do you improve your tech side? So so far I've mentioned the capabilities, the need to learn, uh, regulation, and the tech side, which now leads us to uh, the other point to say that uh, there are disadvantages, and these disadvantages um, may actually look great. But the advantages also are very significant of being able to participate effectively in the global value chains. What that will help Africa do, as Ayanda has mentioned, is that uh, there's this growth, there's greater economic growth because you are able to participate and get more value. Otherwise, even if you, what you have is innovation, innovative ideas of marketing or distribution of products that have been produced elsewhere, then you are able at least to offer a service within the chain that can give you more uh, more returns. Because what tends to happen is that raw materials in and of themselves, they're very valuable, but the return on them and also like the intensity that will go, for instance, into mining uh, may not be the same as like 
marketing the final product. Yet the marketing uh, level might even give you better returns within the global chain. And then also, even as I'm speaking about like mining, for most countries within Africa, like based on like the Africa Development Bank, uh, like economic outlook, you'll find like most African countries are very mineral rich. You'll find a country like Botswana, you'll find Nigeria, you'll find uh, Congo, they are very mineral rich countries. And now what that what happens though is that there is someone else who is mining those minerals. And I under you could also uh, like attest to that. Like for instance, you find uh, even diamonds, a country like Zimbabwe, uh, with the diamonds, the the minerals are there, but it's someone else who is mining them because of like the tech, and also maybe like the processes that are involved in it. So again, uh, even if it's even if it's to just like develop the process of mining itself within Africa, so that you at least add some value. Uh, to what you're producing, then you're able to get a better return. And having said that, is then to make a possibly concluding remarks on some of the things that someone could actually consider is, for instance, how are these global value chains coordinated? So think, for instance, that it, because it looks so seamless, yet the functions are happening so in such different uh places in the world so there's someone here with mining oil in nigeria and yet there's someone else who's marketing it in uh in the uk and then there's someone else who is giving developing this technology to help in the in the production of the oil in germany and that kind of thing and and that's the whole uh point of what the global value chains are is that you you get the niche and looking at what it is that the market that's going to market and you are known for that for that aspect and then people mainly tend to come to you so unlike minerals and raw materials where you can you're very limited you either have minerals or you don't so you either have oil in your country or you don't but then you can innovate and come up with technological solutions which which are not uh, inherently within the country so that you say that it's not based on the soil or on the location. It's best based on the knowledge economy. If you innovate, you can plug into the global value chain. So it goes all back to innovation, to tech, to using your knowledge and looking for solutions on how to can plug into the global value chains. Ayanda, if you could make any conclusive, concluding uh, remarks, then uh, we will end this first introduction at that. At, at that. Um, yes, I completely agree uh, that global value chains, though having its disadvantages, do have a lot more rewards if they are done in a streamlined manner, especially if the focus is not just on production, but on improving how that production is made. So upgrading the quality of the good that comes out on the other side, whether we're upgrading functionality or quality, um, at the end of the day, it's about being able to balance the pros and the cons of the value chain. And as noted by um, Christine, 
the regulatory aspect of of global value chains becomes very difficult because a lot of the times it's your multinational corporations that are participating the most in these value chains. And I'm looking forward to discussing how this has affected Africa, both positively and negatively. And um, just how the complexity of these global value chains are, especially when we're looking at the legal perspective of trying to find or trying to strike a balance between the competing laws um, throughout the countries that are participating in the global value chain. Thank you, Christine. Okay, uh, thanks, Ayanda, for that. And yes, indeed, we will go further to look at um, some of the things that you've highlighted. And in particular, in the next week, we will speak about how is Africa involved in global value chains, what sort of inputs and outputs does Africa contribute to global value chains, how well or not well is Africa doing in its role in the global value chains. Then the week after, we will look at what considerations should be made in establishing and anchoring Africa's role in the global value chains. And then the last week of October, we'll do a recap and conclusion. And within that we will cover also like um how like franchising multinational entities have affected or whether negatively or positively to the african uh, markets and especially to competition within uh, by the very small african businesses but for tonight it's been a very nice uh, discussion and i hope you profit from it and you could leave your comments and let us know what you think about the discussions and you can always participate by leaving us uh, comments on our YouTube channel and on our various social media platforms. Thanks. And uh, for now, it's goodbye from us.